Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. Do you know social studies at school? Does anyone like social studies? Is it about 17 of you. I'm a big fan of social studies. I am a big fan. But in year nine, I was a terrible student. Not just in social studies, but across the board, right? Um, Daddy's talking, okay? A terrible student. And and my year nine social studies teacher, she was fantastic. She was probably a little bit uh, impatient, um, but that might be more a reflection of me. Um, But but she was late to class one day. She was about five minutes late, and we were like, oh, I wonder where she is. And six minutes late, and I was like... Oh, well, if she's not here, we're just going to do what we want to do. Because we had assigned seating, right? Like, a, like an old-school Baptist church where everyone sits in the same place at the same time, this was, um, this was our social studies class. And so I was uh, more towards the front where the more uh, gifted and talking back people sit. Um, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to sit at the back. So, so we went to the very back corner. It was me, me my friend Puhoy, and Beaver. Um, and so we're sitting at the back, and finally... Finally, this teacher walks in. Seven minutes late. Seven minutes of my learning time that she's taken up. And she, she walks right in and she sees the change and says, what's wrong with this picture? And without skipping a beat, I just reply, you're in it, miss. And, and it's probably not the smartest thing I've ever seen in class. Um, and, and she looked at me, she told me to stand up, and she marched me right out of the class into the square in the middle um, outside where there's like eight classes looking to the square. So now I've got eight classes looking at me, um, wondering what I've done. And she told me to write a letter um, to her about why that was rude, why it was inappropriate, and what I'm going to do to change. And so the next 45 minutes, um, if she'd been on time, it would have been 55 minutes, but maybe it's a blessing that it was only 45. I'm writing this letter, this fantastic letter, about how you shouldn't be rude and how you should be uh, just pleasant to people and, and why you should show respect to those in charge. Um, and, and the bell went, and I sauntered back in, having not learnt a thing, but I thought that I'd written this fantastic letter where really I just rabbited on and on and on, which you might come to get that I do. Um, and I handed her this letter and was so happy for her to read it. And she took it off me, she ripped it up, and she threw it in the bin. Um, and I learned a lot that day in social studies that actually, when you're a rat, you're not going to get treated with much respect. But I also learned a lot in social studies. Um, we learned a lot of social conventions uh, in social studies. We learned uh, you never ask a woman her age. Yep, we know that one. Um, I learned don't talk politics at the dinner table. Um, and that is especially true with extended family when you've got people on the extreme, or well, we won't talk about how extreme my extended family is in politics. But there seems to be the social convention that we've started to learn in church as well. These things that we don't discuss. Um, and from doing, I'm doing a master's thesis at the moment looking at millennials, um, and so I'm starting to see a whole lot of like generational differences, right? And there seems to be this generational divide in the church. Um, millennials and younger, maybe the bottom end of Gen X, um, and, and, the, and then the, the older Gen X and, and the boomers, etc. And there's this divide about what we are and are not happy to speak about, and no one, it seems, likes to speak about the S word in church. Sin. 
And I would suggest, from what I've looked at, there's this overreaction um, to, to the teachings that we had in, in the generations past. We have this, this teaching. When I came into church in the late 1980s, there was still the tail end of this hellfire and brimstone um, turn or burn uh, prophes- uh, you know, preaching, right? Where, where hell is emphasized and, and the punishments of God are emphasized. And we've swung this whole other way to just this story of grace, but actually we've swung so far past grace that grace doesn't even matter anymore because sin doesn't even matter anymore. And you can do what you want and truth is what you make it. And, 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 and at the end of the day, as long as you're happy, God thinks you're a good person and will take you. And, and, and it seems to me that that makes sin really hard to talk about. Because not just in the church, but in the West, we don't like to be told that we're not all the way there. We don't like to be told that we could improve or we're not good enough. We like to be self-sufficient. We like to be rulers of our own domain with our own set of truths. And we would very much like Jesus to take us to heaven when we die, but while I'm here on earth, Jesus, just punch my ticket, I'll get there in the end. And, and it seems to be that there's this way of living in the church that ignores the reality of sin. It's hard to talk about. And it's hard to listen to someone talk about sin. So well done, all of you here today who have still not left. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about sin today. We're going to talk a little bit more about sin because we started last week, but I want to remind you of something I said last week. If you're feeling the Spirit is convicting you about sin, it isn't because you're not loved, and it's not because you're not worthy, and it's not because you're not accepted. It's because God is inviting you on a journey to become more like the person He created you to be. And He didn't create any of us to be sinners. He created us to be His children the best type of humans we could be, who he loves and cherishes and adores. So hold to that as we start today's passage, Ephesians 5, 1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be a thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world." Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on those who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and true and right. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of the evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, 
but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here, Paul, he's continuing this pattern from the previous chapter where he's starting to address the sins that have crept back into the church in Ephesus that were prevalent in the, in the community of Ephesus at the time. And worse now, worse in this chapter, there are people in the church who are excusing these sins, excusing these decisions and actions that have put individuals on the throne instead of having Christ on the throne. And it seems to me that these excuses for sins are still made today. I remember, I remember days when I was running youth group, not here, but at my previous two churches. And whenever there was one of those talks where, you, you know, you have to take a young person aside or you have to take a youth leader aside and, and talk about their actions and, and talk about why they're not, you know, matching up, there was always an excuse one of my, well, a lot of the youth leaders, they went to this party a week after Easter camp. A, a, a week after God did some amazing things in their lives. And, and, and they were drinking and they were, you know what, well, I don't know if you do, but a lot of stuff goes down at, at young people parties, right, that, that aren't appropriate. And I'm talking to one of my leaders and I'm like, bro, what's, tell me the story. What happened? He goes, well, I, I wasn't sleeping with Carly like Sam was. I changed those names. It's fine. I wasn't as drunk as Ben was. The, the, that youth boy drank way more than me. And, and there's, this, there's this, well, at least I wasn't the worst. At least I'm not the worst person, as if that excuses sin, as if that somehow that you've learned that as long as you're not the worst of the worst, you can get away with whatever you want. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on those who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. The excusing of sin isn't something that God is interested in us doing. What he is interested in us is becoming the people he created us to be. Because as we grow more and more into this person that God created us to be, we will have greater ability to do the things he created us to do. Let's look again. What are we being told to avoid in this passage? Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ of God. For a, a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Now we know at the time of Paul writing to Ephesus, he was speaking into a place that used sexual acts as means of worship. These days, sexual immorality is still prevalent. But instead of worshipping a goddess that we have a temple for, it's really just worshipping ourselves. And, and this is within the church and outside the church. 
In fact, in New Zealand recently, there's been, it's got so bad that there's had to be a royal commission of inquiry into abuse in state and church care. And it's awful because abuse has happened. Sexual immorality has happened and it's been excused or it's been hidden. In fact, one of the, one of the questions um, that I, I can't remember if I asked the elders or the call team here when I come, is like, is there anything that you need to declare in this inquiry? Because I've just been through a church who's, who's having to do this process and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's hard and it hurts working with the victims when there's been stuff hidden. And thankfully, well done, Glen Eden, there was nothing to declare um, and from our past, and, and, and that is fantastic. But it doesn't mean that it hasn't happened in the wider church. We don't become the people God created us to be when we hide stuff. We don't become the people God created us to be when we excuse stuff. But one of the things that he asks us to do as we, as we identify this in our lives and in others, we, we identify our blind spots. You, know, you can't identify your own blind spots. That's what the body's for. But there's a way to identify a blind spot, eh? It's certainly not come up to someone and say, Shannon, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. You know, <laughs> there's some grace to it as well. There's got to be grace to it. As, as our blind spots are identified, as our weaknesses are identified, as our areas of growth are identified, that is going to be tough, man. Who likes having blind spots identified? Who likes, who likes finding out where you haven't hit the mark? It's not fun all the time, eh? So make sure if we are going to be helping people identify these spots that we do it with love and grace and, and know that our part to play is helping them step in to be the person that God created them to be. I've seen talk, foolish talk. I've seen stories, sorry, foolish talk and coarse jokes. These are not for you. The language we use, how we speak to each other is so important. In the book of James, he writes a lot about the power of words. Proverbs has a lot to say about the power of words. And here's the thing more and more these days, is that it might not even be the person that you're talking to, that you're telling this, this uh, obscene story or ridiculous story to, that, that gets the fallout of it. Because you might be telling a, a, a bad joke and then someone walks by and that triggers something from their past. You know, and so it's not always the person that we're addressing that is going to be a victim of, 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 of these stories that we tell or these ways that we speak. We need to avoid it. We need to speak truth and love in all we do. Because obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. We don't want to be the people that demean others. We don't want to be the people that make a human feel less human. We want to be people who build up each other's humanity, who help them move forward into who Christ has called them to be. How we say it and what we say are important. James 3 reads, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships, for example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is, set on fire by a small spark. 
The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a relentless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with the tongue we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? But not sinning. Not sitting, it, isn't, it doesn't look like that's enough in this passage. It doesn't look like that's what Paul's saying, just stop sinning. Because God has more for us than just not doing something. He calls us to more. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But the evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I remember in the first lockdown in 2020, the the murder of George Floyd in the US, and it outraged a lot of the world. The story of the man who was arrested, pinned down, and suffocated by police. I can't breathe, was all he could say. And And the movement that started highlighted some areas of society that needed changing. And there was this challenging slogan that they used that really challenged me in this time. Silence is compliance. Not saying something, not stepping in, not stopping an injustice happen is allowing it to happen. Not stopping an injustice from happening is allowing it to happen. And I think that's pretty similar to what's being said here in the scriptures. Evil intentions are exposed when the light shines on them. And when there is exposure, there is opportunity to change, to see what is being done wrong and how to do it right, how to do it better. Take no parts in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. The New Testament speaks a lot about the light. Initially in John 1, we read about Jesus being the light. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus was coming as the light to illuminate the darkness in the world. He came as the light to expose what was happening and to change the way people lived. And then... In Matthew, Matthew 5, Jesus teaches his followers and Jesus teaches us that we now too are to be called light. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Being this light, allowing this light to shine from us in the ways we live, is one of the ways that we get to imitate God in everything we do because you are his dear children, like the passage of Ephesians tells us. We need to illuminate the darkness in our world. We need to illuminate the darker corners of each other's lives. We need to let the light shine on us. And so we need to talk about sin. But we don't do it in a way to shame someone into the kingdom. We don't, do it in a, uh, we don't talk about sin in a way to condemn someone into the kingdom. We talk about sin as a way to illuminate ways in which we can grow and change into the people Jesus calls us to be, into the people Jesus created us to be. We do it with love and peace and patience and kindness, with generosity. And when we stuff it up, which we will, we demonstrate our self-control with our reactions, how gentle we are with each other. We can do this because these are all the fruit of the Spirit who dwells within us. We do all this because we allow the Spirit to guide us and walk with us and change us. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, you came... And you live the perfect life. The life that we look to and sometimes wonder how you did it. Jesus, you lived a life doing the Father's will. Empowered by Holy Spirit, we pray, I pray for each of us today that we understand that a little bit more and we allow Holy Spirit to work within us to change us, to grow us into who you would have us be. Help us be people that not only flee from sin, but expose sin for what it is. And help change the families we live in, the communities we live in, the country we live in. Give us more of your light so we can shine more of your light to those around us. Thank you, Jesus, for your work in life, your work on the cross, your work in the grave, and your work as you ascended. Thank you that you have done it all. Thank you that we don't have to live up to your performance. We just have to accept your grace your love for us and allow you to change us through your spirit as we walk. Help us be people that the fruit of the spirit flows from, full of grace, full of love, full of gentleness, patience and kindness. Help us continue to be your children, growing into who you would have us be. Amen. Thank you, family.
Thank you. Um, just want to give the staff team a little shout out, eh? If that's all right. The staff team. We have Zion's on leave at the moment, so Judy's our longest serving person. The rest of us have all been new inside the last 18 months. I think there's six of us. So if you see the staff team, tell them, you're doing a great job. You are doing a great job. Um, yeah. And all of you, I hope you have a good week. And as you go, remember, we find our hope in, we're transformed by, and we're empowered through. There you go. Bless you all. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website, www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.